We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can always subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig, and we are back for another Friday edition of the show. Andrew, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. It is uh, 2-3-23, so that's fun, right? If you like like cool number dates. No? Okay, dead (laughs) silence for all the listeners out there. Anyways, no, it's an exciting time of the year, right? It kind of feels like the offseason has begun. We have a lot of trade speculation. We certainly have a lot of draft talk going on, uh, news about acquisitions and, and all sorts of other things. Uh, Derek Carr making passive-aggressive comments at the Pro Bowl <laughs> competition. So, you know, this this is great. I'm jazzed. We got, we got things to talk about. It's an exciting time of year. Yeah, this is fun. I mean, we got uh, a news tab here. We just wanted to mention... Uh, that we got the Tom Brady news this week that he has officially retired for the second time 
he says for sure. We talked like, I don't know, for like 20 minutes pre-show and we didn't talk about that we were going to talk about this at all. But nope. I mean, is this interesting to you? Are you sad? Are you relieved? And do you think that this has any impact on Aaron Rodgers' return for this coming season at all? You know, it's weird when you get to my age, like you start to put some of these things in perspective. And and Tom Brady started off as a huge underdog, right? Yeah. Sixth yeah. round pick. Everybody knows that part. But early on in his career, like he took the New England Patriots, a franchise that really hadn't won much, and he led them to defeating one of the best teams ever assembled in the greatest show on turf in the Super Bowl. And he was kind of the darling for a while. And then, of course, as his career progressed, what happens to all great quarterbacks eventually is the masses turn on you. And Brady <laughs> made some of that easy for us, of course. And, you know, there there was, of course, the last really painful loss mm. uh, for Packers fans. Brady hadn't hurt us much leading up to that. But then, you know, Tampa and the NFC Championship at Lambeau Field. So not, yeah, not I mean it, yeah. it's it's interesting. I think there's a lot of ramifications. I think we'll we'll talk about what this means in the Rogers situation in a second. But I do have a question for you. Okay. Like what what do you think of Tom Brady's career? I mean Tom Brady is a player that I, you know, grew up I'm a Michigan fan, so but what he did at Michigan was Nothing like nobody cared about Tom Brady until he became Tom Brady of the NFL. So Michigan people in, you know, where I live here like to claim Tom Brady. But it's funny <laughs> because like it's just nauseating because, you know, that that's just convenient. But um, I, I came to the point where, like so many people of just really being sick of Tom Brady continually winning. And probably my biggest memory of just impact watching him play was the Atlanta Super Bowl when it was just like, okay, this is finally one that he's not going to win. And then just watching the crazy comeback, the just impossible throws that were made, the catches that were just should never have happened. And just watching, regardless of how it happened, the belief in that team that they knew that because they had Tom Brady, anything was possible and that they could come back and win that football game. That was kind of the moment where it's like, I hate watching this, but at the same time, I'm recognizing that I'm watching something unbelievable happen and you can't really deny the greatness of that career. So, I mean, talented player, but I think the more important thing here is probably his leadership and what his teams always thought about him. They always believed that he was going to win the football game. You you know how annoyed I get with these goat conversations. Yeah, yeah. I, they're so stupid. You cannot compare players across different generations of of even the same sport. But here's the thing. Tom Brady was an incredible player. But however however you want to I'm I'm as guilty of this as anyone else. I always talk about athleticism in sure. terms of speed and quickness and how high you can jump and those kind of things. And and to a point that's become the vernacular, but there is something else to athletics, right? Hand-eye coordination, quick decision making, toughness, um, you know, just the ability to work through things, leadership, those kind of things. And Tom Brady had all of those things in excess. And just because he dumped it down a lot just because he got it in the hands of his weapons and let them do a lot of work doesn't mean he wasn't a great player. 
if you saw him chucking the ball down the field to Randy Moss, <laughs> like yeah. you knew he was capable of doing that, but he realized very quickly and was able to adjust to the changing landscape of who was on his offense, what the NFL was doing, what the defense across from him was trying to do to him. And he did that better than any player I have ever seen in my lifetime. And so, you know, whatever that means, was Montana better? Was <laughs> I know Terry Bradshaw wasn't better, but, you know, if you want to throw right, it in, right. in that category because of the winning, it was Bart Starr better. I don't know because I didn't see them play live. I did see Tom Brady, and he was truly one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. Was he, quote-unquote, the most talented? Probably not, but he did things better than everybody else in his generation. And I think that's what's so interesting about the conversation, because early on, it was the marvel of what he did, like you said, beating the Rams, those kinds of things. The first couple Super Bowls, and it was always that, like, yeah, like maybe he's not the most athletic, the most talented player. And you kind of start to lose excuses. The first, like, no one wins seven Super Bowls without being incredibly great. And I think that that was so interesting just to watch it. Like, like you know, what are the odds that that happens once or twice or three of, of a player who's just beating you with his brain and with his leadership and you know being smart on the football field and those kinds of things? But then when you've done it seven times, not even counting the many times he was in championship games and just the dominance. I mean, it's just it just speaks to what we probably will never see another player do. Um, and so I think it's it's that fine line of being annoyed <laughs> that it happened, but also recognizing the greatness that was Tom Brady. Yeah. And and like you can miss me with all of the the criticism that he only checked it down all the time. Like, yeah, he did that sometimes because it was open yeah. and teams were scared of letting, you know, and he was one of the quarterbacks who could say, OK, you're going to take the deep throw away from me. I'm just going to check it down on you all day. Um, you you can miss me with the criticism of he always had a great defense, which is very true. He mm -hmm. did, right? But guess what? Brett Favre had the number one ranked defense, the number one ranked special teams the year that the Packers won the Super Bowl, right? Mm -hmm. 96? Yeah. And so, yes, they also had the number one offense. Super underrated team in historical context, FYI. But, <laughs> like... He had all of those things around him. That's what it takes to win in football almost all of the time. It's very rare that one side of the ball just carries you to a Super Bowl win unless you're maybe the 85 Bears, the Ravens of the late 90s. That that just doesn't happen very often. So, um, yeah, I mean, all due respect to the player. Uh, you can think whatever you want of the person, but um, it is nice to have Tom Brady out of the NFC. <laughs> and, by the way... This has some implications for the Green yeah, Bay Packers. Yeah. Um, and bringing it back around to that, how do you see Tom Brady being off the market as impacting the quarterback market and then, of course, the potential trade of Aaron Rodgers? I don't think that it has a huge impact. I know that there's been a lot of buzz that, like, you know, Rodgers is not going to want to go to the same Hall of Fame class as Tom Brady. And so maybe this encourages him to continue to play. I I can see the point. I can see the pettiness that is the root of that thought. But I don't think it, in the end, makes a difference for Rodgers. I think Rodgers makes that decision independent of what Tom Brady does. Now, when you talk about where Tom Brady was going to go, I think a lot of people thought the Raiders. 
So I think you can put the Raiders back in the bucket of teams that may be interested in Rodgers. It does sound like the Raiders want to go with a different philosophy, at least if you believe um, what the GM and the front office is saying. Um, but, I mean, there are a, a lot. We talked on this show many times about the insane number of teams that have quarterback changes coming this coming season. So there's lots of teams. If the Packers are willing to go to the NFC, you know, there's lots of openings. And I think that there would be, you know, potential landing spots. It's just compounded because you know that there would have been a couple teams in the market for Tom Brady that aren't there. So as far as Rodgers continuing to play, I don't think it impacts that. But I do think it could, you know, heat up the market for Rodgers a little bit if he does it end up being open to a trade. 100% agree. And I think the Raiders are a crucial opportunity for the Packers to leverage trade possibilities because sure. number one, they have McDaniels, who's going to be maybe a little hot ish seat yeah. uh, looking to replace uh, the the quarterback. They're going to want to make a splash. Certainly McDaniels has worked with Tom Brady in the past. Mm -hmm. So wanting to go to another future Hall of Fame quarterback probably makes sense. Of course, Devontae's there, and he's going to be clamoring yeah. um, for Aaron Rodgers. And the owner, Mark Davis, think what you want. He has a terrible haircut, and he loves TGI Fridays and drives an old minivan. I don't know. if, if <laughs> These are things are all true, by the way. Uh, look up Mark Davis if, if you haven't before. Shout out to my friend Jared for always bringing Mark Davis up. But – He's going to want to make a splash, right? You're mm -hmm. Vegas. You, you you want to, you know, energize that home crowd. Yeah. And one way to do that is Aaron Charles Rodgers. Like, mm -hmm. bring him in. So what that does for the Packers, let's say Aaron Rodgers decides he's not going to retire. They're going to open up the trade market for him. Aaron Rodgers may say, okay, well, here's some places I don't want to play. And, and just pretend for whatever reason he is interested in going to the Jets or he is interested in going to the Raiders. He says, yeah, you know, maybe I'm interested in, in a wild card team. You had mentioned before we started recording the Panthers, right? So let's say, okay, I would accept trades to these three teams that are interested. Now you can play them off of each other, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. And before, if, if the Raiders had gone out and signed Tom Brady, you might be in a little bit of trouble finding a trade destination because he might say, OK, well, here's two West Coast teams that I'm interested in and nobody else. And right. then you're kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you can drive up the price in that way. I do think a lot of the, the picks that are being floated are not enough. And for them to get into a realistic trade scenario, at least what Andrew wants, <laughs> I would say that... Um, you know, having multiple trade opportunities, especially ones that have owners that want to make the big splash um, is, is a really good thing for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I think that that's all reasonable. And I, I do think it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. We saw that Rodgers make a comment that he was going to wait until after the Super Bowl to make any decisions about his future. Uh, Tom Brady clearly did not wait until after the Super Bowl uh, and got the headlines this week. No problem there. You know, he's Tom Brady. Uh, do what he wants. But a little bit of a side note here, that NFC South, I mean, you mentioned the Carolina Panthers. It just is so interesting to me because obviously all those teams need quarterbacks. I don't think the Falcons are going to be in the place to do something like that. They're probably on a different, a little bit different of a plan there. But the other three teams, I mean, depending on what, uh, you know, the Saints want to do and what they believe, how close they are, especially with the new picks that they've got from the Sean Payton deal. 
Um, and then you've got Tampa now with an opening. I don't know that Rodgers could go to where Brady was. Uh, like that sounds like a disaster for his legacy and, and those kinds of things. But the Panthers, if you could pin that division against themselves in a bidding war, um, but then also knowing that like Rodgers, if he goes to the AFC West, the path to the playoffs is much harder. Like if you go to the AFC East, a lot harder to get to the playoffs um, in that division with the Dolphins, you know, and, and the, the Bills. If you go to the NFC South, all you have to do is be Aaron Rodgers and you've basically won the division, like in theory, right? Like if he can play mm-hmm. to his. So I feel like to Rodgers, it makes sense to go to that division and to the Packers, there's a lot of, you know, ability to say, hey, you, the other teams in your division are really interested in Rodgers as well. So I would be interested in that scenario. I don't know that it happens and they may want to keep him out of the NFC, but I'd love to see yeah. that. And now with Tom Brady out of that division, I think it opens the door just a little bit more. Yeah, and I don't know what Rodgers thinks about this, but if if you're New Orleans, your sales pitch is, hey, you want to come here, play behind a really good offensive line with Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, yeah. Michael Thomas, Jawan Johnson, like <laughs> weapons galore. Yeah. Uh, even, yeah, I mean, they probably not taking Rodgers off the field to let Taysom Hill take snaps, but, uh, you know, like there's just weapons all over the place. They have a pretty good defense. And the Packers can turn around and say, okay, well, we don't want to trade him in the NFC. So you're going to pay yeah, right. as much as we want you to. Yeah. And they could bleed them for this year's picks plus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, dipping into the the future draft pick pool, which the Saints have shown that they are willing to borrow into the future for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen the Eagles, you know, steal picks from the the Saints in the past. We've stolen picks um, from the Saints in the past. So, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing to to revisit in that. But obviously we're in speculation mode and all this is going to have to work itself out over the next couple months. But the Brady news does have ripple effects around the league, but even more so maybe for Packers fans as we kind of wait to see how the quarterback carousel is going to resolve itself. But, Andrew, should we jump into our show today? Um, and talk about what we were going to talk about today. Yeah, we're only we're only 15 minutes in, uh, and now actually getting to what we were going to talk about today. But we spent the last few weeks previewing the off seasons of the Packers NFC North rivals. But with the Senior Bowl this past week, we find ourselves fully in the embrace of draft season. And there's been a project I've wanted to do for the last couple of years, and I just never made time to do it. So I thought it'd be an interesting topic for a few shows. And that is, where do the best players at each position actually get drafted? There's certainly some assumptions that we all have regarding this question, but I wanted to get some actual evidence. So how do you define great players? We could do this in a multitude of ways. So I settled on just picking all pros. I used uh, Associated Press, Pro Football, Writers of America, and SN All Pro Teams. So both their first and second from 2013 to 2022 as my sample. So I got 10 years worth of data. That's why you won't see even numbers because on any given year, there could be different selections for each organization and they could have like three wide receivers on the first team, three wide receivers on the second team, and they may or may not overlap amongst the three different organizations. So this is this is kind of a lot of <laughs> yeah, data, yeah, but yeah. it's interesting. This week, we are going to touch on quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. My hope is that this answers the questions like, do we need to invest a premium pick to get a great player at position X? 
Yeah, so this is going to be a really fun exercise. This is Andrew's brainchild. Like he said, this is something he's been poking around at. Hey, we should do this when we have time for a couple of years. But I'm really excited about it because I do think it's a good way for us to have a realistic conversation about where you can find elite players in the NFL draft or at least the likelihood of finding elite players at certain points in the draft. So let's go ahead and get started. Andrew, remember, everybody, this is just quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers and tight ends today. We'll finish out this conversation on another pod. But this is going to be a fun one. Let's talk about those positions today, Andrew. Yeah, we'll kick off with quarterbacks. This one's pretty easy. Not much of a surprise. 14 all pros were drafted in the first round. Two were taken in the second. One in the third. That's Russell Wilson. Three in the sixth. That's Tom Brady three times. And then there was one UDFA. Tony Romo got an all pro second team nod uh, at one point. So it like it. It appears to me, based on this, if you want an elite quarterback, you have to draft them in the first round or just hope Tom Brady falls into your lap. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so Tom Brady's the fallback plan. That's a pretty good, pretty good place to be. Okay, so uh, just to be clear, you don't think that we should use Pro Bowl as a more accurate way to talk about elite players? Like, mm. <laughs> you made a reference earlier to the Derek Carr comment that he like <laughs> he knows he's not there because he, he didn't have a great season. Tyler Huntley's out there for the Pro Bowl, so no, I think I think you've got a good process here. Let's stick with the All Pros. Um, you said that there were two all pro quarterbacks taken in the second round. Okay. So I know Jalen hurts is on that list. Lamar Jackson was drafted with the last pick in the first round. So I'm having a hard time coming up with the second quarterback that was taken in the second round. Um, it, it was, uh, Drew Brees. Oh, okay. So Jalen hurts and Drew Brees. And what's weird is Drew Brees was taken with a 32nd pick, which was the first pick in the second round that year. And I don't know if a pick was forfeited or something. I couldn't quite find that. I didn't have enough time to to research it. But it's funny because Lamar Jackson was a 32nd pick 
but he counts as a first rounder. Okay. Drew Brees' 32nd pick counts as a second rounder. Interesting, interesting. So right on the bubble there. Okay, so this is an interesting set of data here I feel like you've got because you said 14 first-round picks, right? Uh, these other guys, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Lamar, these are all mobile quarterbacks who kind of broke the mold of a pocket passer, right? So I guess my question is, even though those guys were later picks than a first-round pick, their second, their third-round picks, does that trend continue if that if those drafts are today? From what we've learned these last, you know, five years of the NFL, the league is changing, the quarterback position is changing. Um, that's interesting to me. I wonder if those guys go in the first round knowing what we know about how the quarterback position can be played. But regardless, the quarterback position is certainly one that it looks like you should expect to have to invest that high draft capital to hit on one of these guys. Like you said, if you get lucky, great. But realistically, the good ones are going to go early, and that's why you're seeing teams, they're willing to trade up multiple firsts to move up to get their quarterback because there's only so many, right? And you're not going to be picking high enough to land an elite prospect very often. So when you have a chance, you got to go do it because these guys go early. Yeah, and to extend on what you were saying there with mobile quarterbacks and probably going in the first round now, same thing with Drew Brees, right? Like he was widely regarded as a phenomenal mm. quarterback prospect, yeah. but nobody was willing to draft Yeah. A- five foot 11 quarterback in 2001 right. in the first round. And if that happened today, I don't think people would bat an eye, right? We right. saw Kyler Murray go first overall. So yeah, great um, point. Yeah. A lot, a lot of things changing as, as we, we progress in this league, but really like you think about it, who are the best quarterbacks in the league, Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow. You can go further down the list, talk about Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Tua, throw Aaron Rodgers in that mix. If you want, um, those are all first round picks. And then Jalen Hurts is the exception, still a second rounder. Really, until you get to like Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, you don't find anybody that was taken later than that. So um, the moral of the story, take a quarterback in the first round if you want a good one. Uh, so moving on to running back. I think this is a little bit more of an interesting study. Uh, Twelve of the Pro Bowl selections at running back, all pro selections. All pro. <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, all pro selections of the running back went in the first round, so 12. 15 were drafted in the second, four in the third, one in the fifth. So this position is actually a lot more top-heavy than I would have thought. Yeah, this is really interesting to me, Andrew. First, we always talk and we joke about not taking a running back in the first round of the draft. And I think that there's a good reason to think that that is the best practice. Nine times out of ten, you should probably take a premium position over a running back in the first round of the draft. But this exercise shows that running backs who are top picks do often end up being impact players or even elite players, as this is showing. Uh, the other thing that's interesting here is I expected a big drop-off from players drafted on day two to players drafted on day three. I expected there to be a lot of guys on this list from round three, but very few from that rounds four to seven on day three. But the drop-off is actually from round two to three. I thought that was really interesting. You've got 15 guys from round two and only four from round three. So I'd love to dig into this a little bit more at some point because on the surface, it looks like the second round is kind of the sweet spot for running backs. You get the discount. You don't take them in the first, but getting them in the second seems like it's the place to go. The Packers, of course, we know struck gold with Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams on day three. So they got lucky there. 
but they've also used that sweet spot of the second round a couple times on guys like A.J. Dillon recently. And then if you go back to Eddie Lacy, we've seen them do this a couple times. So just interesting. Yeah, and I was just thinking, like, same thing as the quarterbacks. Who are the best running backs in the league right now? If Christian McCaffrey, first-round pick, Jonathan Taylor, second, Joe Mixon, second, Derrick Henry, second, Nick Chubb, second, Josh Jacobs, first, Saquon Barkley, first, right? So, like, all first and second round picks at the top of that list. Um, and then you go down a little bit further. Aaron Jones, fifth. Austin Ackler was a UDFA. So I, I do think that it's fair to point out that the difference between the top players at running back and the middle players isn't as big as a gap as you see with quarterbacks and right, wide receivers, right. right? Like it's a much bigger deal to have a top five quarterback and than having like the 15th best, best quarterback. Whereas at running back, if, you know, you have like the fifth best running back, 15th best running back. Not that yeah, much of a yeah. gap in, in talent and production between That's those two. That's a good students. point. Mm-hmm. So switching over to wide receivers, there are 22 wide receivers who made AP teams who were drafted in the first round. 22. 13 were drafted in the second, two in the third, and a surprising 10 in the fifth round, although those were all attributed to Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and Antonio Brown. Mm. So if you if you just account for the last five seasons – First and second are, um, or first, I would say second are much more prevalent than first rounders. Okay. There was just, in that five to ten year range, there were a lot of first round picks being really successful. Julio Jones uh, mm-hmm. being the person who showed up most on that list. Okay, so you can totally see how the Packers feel like they can get impact receivers in the second round, right? This is the joke. Everybody knows Packers don't draft wide receivers in the first. They take them later. They take them in the second. Because it happens all the time, right? There's a lot of players that are taken in the second round who end up panning out and being great. Um, The top 10 wide receivers in receiving yardage this past season in 2022 were Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, uh, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Waddle, Devontae Smith, McLaurin, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Amari Cooper. Five of those guys were first-round picks. So we've got 10 players here. Five of them were first-round picks. Adams was a second. McLaurin was a third. Tyreek, Diggs, and Amon Ra were all day three picks. So it's interesting. It's half and half. Half these guys go first round. The other half is a collection of second, third, and day three picks. You can wait on a wide receiver, but if you continually pass on wide receiver in the first round, you're likely going to pass up on some studs. Because like you said, especially this last you know five years, the batch – there have just been some great guys who've come out and a lot of teams have passed on those guys and they probably regret it. So you can see this both ways. You can make the argument both ways. There's different ways to win, but it certainly seems like you can get them early. You can get them later, but they are prevalent in that early or those early rounds for sure. Yeah. And this, this activity doesn't take into account bust rate, right? Like yeah. how often are receivers being taken in the first that don't make. Yeah. Like, that's a good point. Too. Yeah. 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 Well, that's another way to look at this eventually. Um, but we're just looking at elite level talent at this point. So at tight end, uh, there were four all pros taken in the first round, three in the second, nine in the third. That's mostly Travis Kelsey. Uh, and then three in the fifth. That's all George Kittle. So tight end is the most variance of any of the offensive skill positions. And it, it really is kind of a weird position group. You, you either have an elite tight end or you don't. Basically, the same four names show up 90 for, 95% of the time on AP teams the last 10 years. So, um, yeah, like I said, you either have one or you don't. 
Yeah, so I think this is my favorite nugget from our whole show today, right? Because everybody knows that the Packers need to add talent at the tight end position. It's a, it's a position where we're losing a lot of guys. They need to add some players. But the odds of you drafting the next Kelsey, Gronk, or even someone like Goddard or Kittle, it's just not very good. The NFL draft, over the course of the last 10 seasons, the NFL has drafted 137 tight ends between 2013-2012. This is our, our span that we're talking about today. Andrew, you said that something like four or five, maybe six guys, if we're being generous, are true impact players who stand head and shoulders above the rest of the position at you know, tight end. So for me, I think that reinforces the thought that maybe you don't take a tight end in the first round because the odds of your selection, you know, becoming a stud are pretty slim. So maybe the second and third rounds are the way to go. Maybe you don't press for like a player like Michael Mayer. Instead, you roll the dice on someone like Luke Musgrave, who is absolutely dominating the senior bowl right now. So that's kind of exciting. Dalton Kincaid is someone else who might be available in the second. It's fascinating because it is such a top-heavy position, you just wonder, you know, everybody wants the next Kelsey, but they just don't grow on trees, and you may be trying to press it and get one in the first round may not be the best process. Yeah, and it's funny, because if you go back even further than that, you start seeing all pro names like Antonio Gates, Tony yeah. Gonzalez, guys that were either not drafted or drafted very late. And so yeah. um, the, it is... It is the most high variance position mm. in the league. And, you know, if you play fantasy football, it's like you either have Travis Kelsey or you don't. <laughs> and even even going back, yeah. you know, five years, yeah. you either have one of the top three tight ends or you just don't draft one at all. Right. 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 Until the end of the draft, yeah. because it doesn't matter. Right. And and that's the way that NFL teams have treated tight end, and that's the way that the talent level works there. You either have an elite player who's on a Hall of Fame trajectory, or you have a serviceable player, mm -hmm. and that's yeah. it. Um, so, you know, like you said, reaching for that position is very risky. Um, speaking of reaching, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about a quick... Uh, actually, you know what? Let's skip this. We're, we're going to put it in the next week's show. Um We'll have some fun with it at that point. But okay. I want to All talk right. a little bit about draft prospects. Okay. All right. To wrap up the show. And you and I are going to do this every week, probably until the draft hits. And that's because we spend anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes before we even press record on this show talking about <laughs> who we watched that week and who yeah, got us excited. Yeah. So why not incorporate that into what we're talking about for the week? I hate being negative, but there's a reason why I'm going to talk about a prospect that I watched and I didn't like as much as consensus. Uh, and that is TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnston. And Johnston, he's a big physical receiver. He burst onto the scene in 2022. I feel like he's got really great straight line speed. He seems to have a surprising short area quickness for a player his size. You'll see him take like a jet sweep um, or a quick quick screen, which usually you don't get guys quite that tall doing. I, I did see the length being a problem at times with route running. He just wasn't asked to run much of a route tree at TCU. So I think that adjustment period to the NFL could take a while. He's fantastic at contested deep ball catches because Max Duggan, the quarterback, would just loft a ton of throws up and Johnson went up and got him. I, I Duggan underthrew like every deep ball and Johnson just went up and mossed the, the cornerback. Uh, he's pretty good with the ball in his hands. He's fast. He makes a lot of angles disappear, but he does have a tendency to get tripped up because of those long legs. Like 
I guess I just didn't see him getting open and he didn't seem to have enough lateral mobility to be like that. And so we've seen a lot of guys that are just fantastic close catchers who don't have the ability to separate come into the NFL and then just be disappointments, right? And the exception to that to me is Mike Williams. So is Quinton Johnston Mike Williams or is he Sidney Rice, right? Or insert name of, right, of right. tall physical receiver who's fast in a straight line who didn't make it in the NFL. And I don't know, but to me, with the consensus seeming to be Quinton Johnston is wide receiver one in this draft, it just it irks me a little bit, Kyle. And that's not because I don't think Quentin Johnston is a, a really nice player. I do. If he was a second-round pick of the Packers, I would love that. Mm. But it's like all of this stuff makes us view players in a, a certain light. And with Quentin Johnston, if I had just evaluated him on a completely blank slate, Mm-hmm. And he came out with this, you know, late first, early second, whatever round grade. I'd be like, oh, that's a really nice player. But he seems like a disappointment. And I feel like I'm going to be right. fighting people on Twitter for the next three months because I don't like Quentin Johnston as much as they do. Mm-hmm. And and so I guess that those thoughts just kept going through my head as I, I watch him is like, I really wish I could have watched this player with a fresh perspective mm-hmm. um, instead of knowing what I knew other people thought of him beforehand. And, and I think that's always a, a good reminder as we, we start to look at players is like, you have to have an opinion that's your own based on what you actually see. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And I think it all comes down to if you see a mock draft that Quentin Johnson isn't in the first 12 to 20 picks he dropped right like that was a that's a big deal that he's not there and so I think that's where you're coming from that like that's the expectation is so high Um, but I'm with you I like Quentin Johnston a lot just like I think you do Um, I think the the special thing about him is the way that he moves at his size I think even puts him probably in a bucket different than Mike Williams where Mike Williams I feel like it was a lot stiffer prospect coming out Um, but it is the variance is the bust potential for him is huge because he has to grow as a player. He has to become a better route runner. He has to become a more consistent player. And the But the athleticism is there. It's just going to be, does he put it all together? Whereas some of the other wide receivers in the class have a much higher floor, but maybe don't have the ceiling to become what Quentin Johnston could become if he hits. Yeah. So it's going to be a really interesting process to see like who takes that swing. And I'm going to feel a lot better depending on his landing spot, not because it's like fantasy football, but because like if he gets, if they're patient with him and like play to his strengths, I think his path to success is much greater than if he's just thrown out there and expected, you know, to run nine routes and they don't develop him and ask him to do different things. So it's going to be really interesting to watch that one. Okay. So we're going to stay here at TCU because (laughs) I don't know why we we didn't plan this. We love the horned frogs. Yeah. We love the horned frogs. Um, I, really really like Kendra Miller the running back from TCU and so I've been on him for a while and I actually just did a write-up for him so I want to talk about it here on the podcast so it's a real shame that he got injured in the college football playoffs because he was such a part of their offense all season it would have been really fun to see Matt Miller had the opportunity to run against teams like Michigan and Georgia uh, but he did and so we didn't get to see that but I feel like Miller is kind of flying under the radar a bit 
He's listed at six foot, 220, but I'm expecting him to come in a little bit shorter than that, maybe a little bit lighter than that. Um, but regardless, he's got decent size for the running back position, and he does use that size. He runs with determination. He's always set on not being denied extra yardage. There are multiple instances on tape where he loses his balance and he uses one of his hands to keep himself from falling to the ground, and he just kind of like sputters forward for an extra two or three yards something that i think we've seen um aaron jones do on occasion and i know i don't want to make that comparison because they're different players but at the same time there is a little bit of aaron jones to some of the way that he runs um there are plenty of plays where miller should certainly be tackled but he just simply refuses to go down and when you're watching him it's almost surprising if he gets brought down by the first defender that he encounters so i love that he keeps the player alive and he keeps his legs driving um, so he's a physical runner, but what I think makes Kendra Miller special are his instincts, his vision, and his patience. He takes his time behind the line, he waits for his blocks to engage, and then he punches the gas when he sees daylight. And when he gets space, he's also got the speed to go the distance. There are plenty of house calls on tape. He doesn't really get caught from behind either. So to me, Miller is pretty much the complete package. Um, his usage in the passing game, I think he had 16 catches uh, this season, so they used him some in that regard, but the catches that he put on tape are actually pretty impressive. He's got good hands, uh, so I'm excited to see what he does in the NFL there too. But I'm probably going to be a lot higher on Kendra Miller than most. Right now, I think he's my running back three behind Bijan and Gibbs, so I like him a lot. Um, but he's going to be 20 years old on draft day, so he's super young at two. So lots of things here that just make me really think that Kendra Miller could have a really bright future. Yeah, that's fun. And we're going to continue to bring you draft prospects that we like or have opinions on uh, as as we get a little <laughs> bit closer to the draft. Certainly lots of news that's going to be breaking in the next several weeks. So tune in, uh, stick with us, the Pack-A-Day podcast. We'll, we'll keep you up to date and, you know, keep the stuff coming to get you ready for this really exciting offseason. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packet Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find me at Andrew Murdig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be back with more off-season conversation. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, go, go!